you've tuned into the Pearls of Wisdom podcast on Cold Tea Collective. As part of our fall editorial theme, we're focusing on business and entrepreneurship and present to you the Entrepreneur Series, where we feature stories from business founders of some well-known, much-loved, and unique brands and businesses in various industries. And you guessed it, all the founders we're speaking with are of Asian heritage. Now, throughout the series, you will learn not only the origin stories of these founders, but also about the day-to-day challenges, opportunities, lessons learned, and of course, some of the cultural nuances of starting and running these businesses. Now, if you yourself are an entrepreneur or know of any awesome businesses that should be featured either on a podcast, article, or other, email us at info at coldteacollective.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more Pearls of Wisdom. There, there you go. go. I got to get better at my clap, so that sounded a little bit like not totally uh, like on it. <laughs> yeah, not crisp enough. Got to work on the crisp level there. Um, so welcome to our special entrepreneurship series on Pearls of Wisdom. Today we're sitting down with Bob Wang. Is it Wang or Wong? Both are fine. Okay. okay. Yeah. I always like to ask because um, you just never know. And it, there's, it's a, there's a story behind you. that. But basically, I mean, it's probably supposed to be pronounced as Wong, but... Everyone writes it as W-O-N-G, so I was like, you know what, just let's save the trouble, call it Wang, yeah. and then you know it's spelled with an A. There you go, <laughs> there you go, yeah, it's, it's the, the phonetics thing, yes, it, gets, it kind of right. yeah. messes up a little bit. Um, so Bob is an accountant turned entrepreneur whose firm recently got acquired by a big four firm. Now, Bob is actually no stranger to Colty Collective because just over a year ago, he actually shared his own personal story and his journey around identity, entrepreneurship, and identifying his values and what's important to him and essentially how he found out what his life philosophy was. And so what we're going to do in this episode is really just um, kind of unpack that a little bit more and get a better understanding of Bob and his personal and professional values and life. And we're also actually joined today by a special guest, Cecilia Huang, who is one of our staff writers for Colty Collective. Yay, welcome Yay. Cecilia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, now it really is a collective. Yes. Previously, it would just be like me and another person, so that's more of a pair than a collective, <laughs> I think. Um, so no, just super happy to, to have you on, on the podcast today, Bob. Yeah, happy to be here. Excellent. And um, so this this podcast is actually a bit of um, a, a bit of a twofold because not only are we going to be able to understand your story, but we're actually it's a bit of a precursor to an event we're going to have you speak at in mm, Vancouver yeah. in the fall. Yes. With um, you know, I guess growing up in North America, at least for myself personally, I know that I was always like pressured to go to like business school or something that was very much you know, my parents had seen before they understood it, right? Mm. Uh, never accounting because I was never good at math, so they kind of knew that was not really a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. So really, like, what we wanted to do with this entrepreneurship series is mm-hmm. just talk to different entrepreneurs that may have had a bit of a different path to hopefully inspire um, others that are, you know, currently in these fields or even just interested in entrepreneurship in general. Sure. And so maybe what maybe we can take a step back a little bit and see if you can kind of give us a bit of a highlight as to what kind of what we learned about Bob in his, in his last article with us. Mm-hmm, that's right. So for those of you who have not had a chance to read the article, it was um, about how to get by giving. And so Bob, in this article, you talked a bit about um, how difficult it was as a child coming from Czech Republic with your family at a young age, immigrating here, and then also, you know, going through business school and how you stumbled upon your life philosophy and about yeah. how this mindset has now shaped the way that you've done business, created the um, 
legacy advantage and also shape the work culture for your team. So yeah, um, we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, actually one of the first things you said today was that uh, I'm an accountant turned entrepreneur. I, I think it's actually the other way around is that I've always been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur at heart. I just happen to choose accounting as my outlet of that desire. So, you know, growing up, my parents, I actually grew up in the Czech Republic because my parents had a business there. You know, my dad uh, was, you know, from China and he, he saw, he had an opportunity to go to Germany and he saw like what thriving means, not just survival, right? And, and he wanted to have that for us. Uh, so he, he went out, out there and started a clothing business. While other kids played on the playground, I played in warehouses stocking clothing, which is honestly kind of fun too, because you <laughs> jump into a pile of clothing, right? Yeah, I can um, imagine it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know that's kind of the environment that I was raised in. And I think all that, observing all that, really gave me a different understanding of risk and reward and, and hard work. I think a lot of people are afraid of entrepreneurship because they think that entrepreneurship is risky, whereas... In my perspective, entrepreneurship is actually the least risky thing you can do because you can control every aspect of how you want to run your life, how you want to innovate, uh, what people you want to hire. Uh, you, know, you never have to worry about your coworkers because you're the one that chose them, right? <laughs> or you can choose to un you can choose to unchoose them. So uh, all those things uh, kind of is a different perspective on entrepreneurship that I that I had. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's one of those things that's super interesting to hear about how you kind of model that after your own experience and watching your, your family run mm. their own business as you know, as you were growing up. So maybe just to, to go back to that a little bit there, what was it like growing up in the Czech Republic? Kind of a maybe a silly question, but almost an obvious question. Like, were there other Asian families there? Was there a huge Asian population there when you were growing up? No, there, there wasn't a huge Asian population. And that almost made it um, better because uh, we were a very tight community because everyone knew each other, right? And every year, the Chinese embassy actually invited everyone who was living in Prague, who was Chinese, uh, to come to celebrate Chinese New Year's. And there was maybe like three, 4,000, that's it, right? Wow. In the entire city. Uh, and you know what, honestly, growing up as a, as a kid, um, although the, the environment was filled with racism, I didn't really feel it as much because I was a kid. I didn't really understand what was going on. I remember one time I was jumping on a bus and, and going home and I was waiting for the bus and there was a few kids that I said, you know, you, you know, go home or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally going home. So yeah. I, I don't know what you're yelling about. Yeah. <laughs> but now yeah. I, I understand what they're, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just, I was thankfully um, ignorant, blissfully ignorant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, as you should be, hopefully as a child that you're not like phased by that. But yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, the kids these days, kids these days, I mean, it makes me sound so old or like, yeah, you know, such right? an old fart there. But yeah, certainly it's a, it's a different climate it's now, a, right? Yeah, it's a different climate. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I understand if, if you don't mind me asking, I understand you have, you have a young family as well. Yeah. And so um, I'm curious to know, how do you introduce the idea of entrepreneurship or maybe even a step further, uh, independence to, you know, your children at such a young age? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, honestly, I, I haven't raised other families before, obviously. <laughs> oh, but, okay. But yeah, right? <laughs> no but, secret family. No secret family. Okay. But I just, I think the way I interact with my kids, uh, the way I maybe encourage them to try to risk, to ask the right questions, may be different from other families. So for example, you know, I teach negotiation with, to my kids. Uh. Right? You know, they, they, they say, I want this, or she says, I want that. And, and I said, okay, but what, what if we do this first? And then we do that. She's like, okay, fine. 
right? <laughs> so she knows so the good. give and take. Right? But does she, on the flip side, do that to you as yeah, well? Yeah, she said, "Look, how about we watch one episode and then I go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> just, just one episode, just one." <laughs> and, and then I said, oh, "Okay, fine, just one." Um, and then we have to come right back, and she's like, "Okay, fine, that happens." Or we just finished potty training, so it was like, you know, do you want a piece of chocolate? She's like, "Yes." And I, and I said, "Okay, you have to go to the bathroom first." Okay, <laughs> like, no fighting whatsoever, right? So, teaching negotiations. The other thing is uh, like asking questions. So a lot of parents get annoyed when kids always ask, "Okay, why is this? Why is that? You know, why? Why?" I would actually turn the question back on to her. Why do you think that is right? And then the question stops. So that's a good thing. But she always tried to creatively come up with some random connection uh, based on like a movie she saw or something like that. What you know, really encouraging her to think creatively about a- answering her own questions mm-hmm. instead um, of just giving her the answer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of how we deal with uh, the kids. And you know, in terms of my wife and I, uh, we just apply a lot of uh, problem-solving techniques into our marriage. Like, okay, so we want this. You know, a lot of a lot of situations in business, it's like you know A or B. But as entrepreneurs, we're taught to think how to have A and B and problem solve that, right? And so in our family, it's okay. I want to go to this, and I want to go to that. Okay, so how do we get both? Uh, that takes creative thought. That takes compromise. That takes all those entrepreneurial skills that um, that hopefully you know. Add value to the family, so to speak. Oh, definitely, definitely. There, um, Cece or Cecilia. Mm. I guess we can call you Cece on the podcast. Like, sure, that's fine. Stage yeah, name. yeah, yeah. It's her stage name, exactly. <laughs> but she will be signing her articles as Cecilia Huang. There you go. Um, I know that you have a young family as well, um, and so just um, curious, you know, like from from your perspective, you know, what Bob described at home. Do you see that in in your home as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. Well, you know, first of all, my baby is now eight months old, okay. and um, so she's, you know, obviously she's starting to walk and or starting to stand and trying to walk. And I, I think that the, you know, what you talked about being creative, um, that really resonated with me because I remember seeing an article about how important it is to um, give child time and you know the freedom to play and create things on their own. So you know, a lot of times, for example. You know, if um, my baby's fussing and you know we're trying to you know distract her, like oh no, she's crying. Let's give her a toy, and then it's like here's another toy. Like, do you want this or that? I think sometimes it's just good for them to have their own space and mm-hmm. just figure it out. Like they mm-hmm. may want to play this toy for like a yeah. minute or two and just let them be, and yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's yeah. okay not yeah. to you know interfere so Absolutely. much. And yeah. yeah, so I really like what you said about you know yeah, yeah I, I want you instilling that um, type of creativity in, in them. Mm-hmm. Granted, all that. Because Again, once she started talking and interacting with a bit more, yeah. you know, as a baby with with no language, it's a bit harder for me to uh, instill those values. But um, yeah, no, I appreciate my wife for the first you know year, two years of, of raising <laughs> Elizabeth. Uh, sorry, so you just have one daughter. Oh, I just had a second. Oh, recently. just had. Oh, just had a, oh, okay, right. So yeah. it's a very busy household. Yeah, so I, my first daughter is uh, three. My second daughter is almost five. Uh, four, five months old. Oh my gosh. Okay. So does Elizabeth? Does she know what Daddy does for work? <laughs> No, she just <laughs> knows that. Is? She, I think so. I, I work frequently at home, so okay. she she understands when Daddy has to go work, which means like don't interrupt him. Mm. Uh, I don't think she knows what I 
do. Accounting is a pretty abstract concept. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's um, no. It's great to, mm. to hear that you can spend time at home and, and working at home to you know spend time with your kids and also have that balance. Mm -hmm. There's so many studies around the opportunities that open up when you have the flexibility to work from home. Mm. What opportunities has that brought you and your business? Hmm. Um, I think I, I honestly feel like I'm way more productive uh, working from home. So first of all, you know, you cut out the commute. And I've, I've heard other women say that they cut out their time putting on makeup. So, you know, further time savings. I would love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but I think, you know, invariably uh, you have meeting cancellations. You have things that uh, come up. So, for example, the day I came back from vacation, I had 15 meetings booked, like back to back uh, in one day. But turns out three canceled. So I, I had an hour and a half to just, you know, to do things that I, I didn't plan for. Right. So uh, things like spending time with my daughter or sit there and think creatively about something and I feel like I'm way more creative when I'm at home because I'm just more relaxed instead of sitting in the office and staring I mean it's granted it's a great view <laughs> but uh, I'm just my creative juices aren't flowing as as well when I'm in a boxed environment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what well, sounds like you've kind of made made a life uh, to be able to, to do that and do your best creative work um, mm. in, in the field of accounting yeah it's it's honestly I think that's what made the huge uh, the biggest difference is asking like why do we do things in a certain way and how can we do things better how accounting has done uh, how accounting is done hasn't changed in in a long long time you know people are always paid a salary people are you know always charged billable hour and the, and the type of work is always the same you know tax returns audits and and i just really challenge like why do we only do audits like why don't we do bookkeeping why do we have to pay people salary why can't people work from home you know especially with introduction of technology. How can we disrupt the way we do business so that we can have a successful new type of business in, in a very traditional industry? I think that's where a lot of disruption happens is like, how can we do things in a new way in a very boring industry? Mm -hmm. For example, I had another friend who, who uh, has an e-commerce business uh, selling like sleep-related uh, sleep apnea, apnea stuff, yeah. right? And and he made a huge business out of it because it's boring. Like nobody thinks selling sleep apnea masks and wipes are sexy, but he does because he made a great business out of it. So don't worry about the image of what you're doing, you know, if you're providing a value, if you're innovating a business model, you're, you're bound to be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about how you first off came up with the idea of creating Legacy Advantage. Yeah. So at that time, I was working at uh, another big four accounting firm uh, doing year-end tax returns and audits and reviews, kind of the traditional stuff. And a common theme I was seeing is that um, we're often handed very poor bookkeeping, which meant that we as accountants, year-end accountants, have to spend a lot of time fixing you know, that poor bookkeeping. So, which honestly was a lose, lose, lose situation. You know, as accountants, we don't like doing bookkeeping, so we were doing something we weren't uh, enjoying. And then for the client, you know, they thought they paid a bookkeeper to do a good job, but now they have to pay us to redo their work. That, you know, therefore, taking away value from that piece of the puzzle. The, you know, banks don't get uh, financials in time, and um, the partners that I was working for, they weren't uh, willing to bill out my time to fixing bookkeeping because they felt it wasn't really high-value work. So, like, nobody was happy in that value chain, mm. right? So I thought, like, what's the real cause? The real cause is poor bookkeeping. So. You know, is there anything out there that specializes just in bookkeeping and, and does a really, really good job at it? And the answer was, was no. 
So I thought, why do I start a CPA firm that only provides bookkeeping services and nothing else, and we do a really, really good job that adds value across the board. Business owners can get accurate financials month to month. Uh, banks can get quicker turnarounds, and, and tax accountants, they can have really good input, so they can have really good output, plus be more efficient, more profitable, like positive value chain across the board. So that's the value that I saw in Legacy Manage. How did you um, even, oh my gosh, there's so many, I have so many questions to follow <laughs> up with that. Okay, first off, um, who was the first person you told about your business idea? First person I told was probably my wife, and she, I had a pretty, I have a pretty good track record with her. I follow through with the things that I say and, and stuff like that. She's like, you know, you should, you should do it. Why not? That's great. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that's wonderful. And, uh, and, and she actually made me a card that says, you know, go for it. Like, go, you know, dream Aww. big, right? So, so I put it on my uh, cubicle wall and actually one of my colleagues came by. He's like, you're not sticking around, are you? And I said, why? why how, how do you know? And he said, well, people that dream big typically don't stick around. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Shoot, all right, all right. Red flag, red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was, that was cool. Oh, that's, Supportive wife. Oh, that's that's number one, especially mm -hmm. in the journey of entrepreneurship, to be able to have that level yeah. of support there. Totally. Especially for someone so important to you, right? Yeah. Um, so when it came to actually starting the business, um, what were some... I guess unforeseen challenges that you ran into and how did you overcome them? Yeah, unforeseen challenges. There's too many to count. <laughs> you know, what I'm realizing is that through their whole journey, like while you're in the moment of struggle, you really hate it. But you know, I, there's, it's been six months since I sold my business and I only remember the good parts. You know, it's just like having a kid, like, I mean, I can't speak for a woman, but you go through a lot of pain, but from the women that I talk to, you really just remember the good parts. Um, at least that's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the struggle, you know, getting the first few customers was a struggle. Finding the right, right team members, huge struggle. We were a small team and we were a small business that didn't have any rapport, that didn't have any credibility, but we needed to find the right team members who are wanting to work for a small business as opposed to go work for a big four, who are wanting to just do bookkeeping and not do any taxes. It was really challenging to find the right team members um, to grow with. Other challenges are you know, finding the right uh, marketing partner. It was actually really difficult to find a marketing person or a marketing agency that understood accounting. I mean, and now that I think about it, like it's really ridiculous for me to ask for that because people want, that wanted accounting, sorry, the people that went into marketing, they went in there for a reason and that's not to do accounting, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's really hard to really represent and, and market well something that you don't really understand. I, I can speak to that specifically because yeah. I, I worked in marketing at an accounting and professional services right. firm yeah. Yeah. for <laughs> about four years. Right. But that being said, like, um, you know, it taught me so much about business. Mm. The, first off, the types of businesses that are out there, um, as well as, you know, the inner workings of a large, like, organization and how to actually, you know, take something super technical and make it, you know, consumable, digestible. That's right, by, like, yeah. You know, just a, a normal human being that may <laughs> yeah. not be also an accounting expert, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, understandable that, mm. you, that you ran into that challenge there. So I guess um, maybe for our aspiring entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast, if you could kind of go back and give them perhaps some tips on how to, you know, find your, you know, kind of your core first set of employees, what would you tell them? Finding the first core set of employees, I think the biggest uh, difference 
is when we defined our core values and uh, defined, you know, why would someone work for us and not somewhere else? You know, defining a culture, having a culture, living it out uh, will attract the right people. Speaking of, attract, of attracting people, how did you get your first customer? First customer uh, was just through friends and family. Uh, going out there uh, on LinkedIn, like, hey guys, started my own business, <laughs> this is what I do. It came from that, my personal network. And my, you know, I went to church and then a, a person at church found out what I did and said, like, hey, you know, this other uh, Christian organization is looking for a bookkeeper, you should go talk to them. Oh, okay, great. Uh, you know, go talk to them and boom, you know, first client. So really leverage your network by letting people know what you do and what your ideal customers are. Having that really defined really, really helps. The next step that made a huge difference for me is finding out who my strategic partners are. So in my business, I only did bookkeeping, which means all other accountants and tax accountants and other you know, accounting professionals, they're my complement and not my competition. And so uh, I talked to those people and, and you know, introduced to them what I did and highlighted my benefit to them. That made a huge difference in increasing referrals. Um, something that really struck me about what you just said about especially finding your first like customers is how you had to just kind of put yourself out there. Mm. I don't know if you've you know seen this or you've seen this, Cecilia, but uh, in Asian culture, there's kind of a hesitation sometimes to really toot your own horn, put yourself out there. So if if there were people that wanted to get into entrepreneurship and are struggling to find their first customers, what would you say to encourage them to just go out there and you know be proud and be fearless in getting those customers? Yeah, a lot of that has to do with personality, but I think more so it's do you have the willingness to change? Because I was not always this outgoing, this articulate, this you know entrepreneur. I, I had to learn. I think entrepreneurship is a skill and not really an innate ability. So I would recommend reading. A book called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, a really great people skills book and learning how to be a really good person to interact with. And then uh, confidence wise, start small, you know, start with people that you know are for sure gonna encourage you and then you, you get that small bit of encouragement then you move on to bigger, bigger groups. So having those small wins under your belt uh, will give you that confidence. Mm -hmm. So at what stage were you at with Legacy Advantage when um, the whole Deloitte deal came about? Yeah, it was uh, about two and a half years into my journey and by then we had about 15 employees and I think uh, we were always very public about what we were doing. We, we did very good marketing and branding and, and I think Deloitte at that moment was also wanting to get into the space. You know, They were not interested in bookkeeping at all and then they saw what's happening te technologically and they wanted to get into this market. And they just said, you know, who is the market leader in Vancouver? And it was us and another firm and the other firm used another software primarily. So we were a better logistical fit, so to speak. So we started talking and I wasn't re really ready to sell, nor was I really looking to sell at that moment in time. But I mean, what I've been told is just always have the conversation, <laughs> take, take the meeting, uh, you never know. We went into that meeting. I actually wanted to leave the meeting confirming my bias that no, this is not going to work. But uh, you know the things they said about values alignment and the vision for the future, and and it was just everything they said was what I wanted to accomplish. So there was a lot of alignment in our core values and our vision for what this practice could look like and the value that I bring to the table. 
So we said, to, look, let's just continue this conversation, and and they wanted me to meet, uh, you know, the national leader and the, like the national leader of leaders and <laughs> all of the leaders of all the, of the yeah, all, like, pretty much. Um, and I think every step step along the way, I just got the confirmation that like this is actually a priority for Deloitte. I think my fear was that. This is a you know an experimental project of Deloitte that if it doesn't work out they're going to scrap it in a year or so. I just didn't get that sense that they were going to do that. They had a you know a commitment in the market. They had leaders committing to this project, and everyone was on board about on board to to make this a success. So I I think I got that. You know conversations were had and they uh, did due diligence, you know, offers back and forth. And, <laughs> <laughs> we can get into the details if we want there, but it was a pretty interesting process. In December 2018, we signed the deal, and December 10th, we were Woo. Uh, employees of Deloitte. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes. Wow. Mm. Um, you mentioned a lot about values, um, values like personally as well as professionally, and finding that alignment not only within your team at Legacy Advantage, but now at Deloitte, your new home. What are your Personal core values. Mm. Funnily enough, I I just actually didn't have a lot of uh, personal core values, but that's probably because all of my core values, personal core values, were translated into legacy advantage core values. They were one and the same. Yeah. And and, and for me, it's things like never settle is a core value. Unleash your untapped potential. Always looking how can we be better. How can how how can I help others be better. Uh, as a core value, uh, entrepreneurship is a core value. I can't remember them all, but uh, there are six of them. Then that's my, our legacy advantage core values are my core values, and I think that's really good because then you know the owner, the entrepreneur, the the founder lives by the core values of his business. I think that that's alignment. So. Oh, definitely, and and a lot of times, I mean, it's not just about being able to articulate what those are, but just living those things. Yeah. Like every day, because I mean, anyone can say like, "Oh, my core values are this, this, that." They can just sound great,、mm. but if you're not living those day to day, then、yeah. what do they really mean? Yeah,、right? exactly. Were there any perhaps like Asian values that influence the way you do business or the way that you approach your work? Huh, that's a good question. Asian values. Maybe <laughs> <laughs>、um, you're Chinese. I'm Chinese. Yeah. yeah.、Mm-hmm. It's a good question because I I left China when I was four years old and I was I, I grew up in the Czech Republic so a lot of my values and perspective is it's quite Western in that sense but I would say you know importance and focus on the family、so、focus on the kind of community is 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 quite important for me keep in touch with the elders so I go visit my parents a lot that that has been really helpful honestly that's been a huge difference as well because my parents were entrepreneurs and I always seek advice from them. And I think that was a really good value that、uh, I want to retain、uh, mm-hmm. as well. Even today, even still, today, yeah, that's great yeah, for sure,、uh, for sure. Are they still like、mm. running their own business right now?、Or? No, but they have a lot of wisdom to share. <laughs>、oh, well, of course, of course, yeah, yeah, that doesn't go away after all those years of hard work, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. and in your article,、um, you talked a little bit about you know being part of that Asian Canadian community here、mm-hmm. and how that's really important to you. And you know, as part of your personal quest, you think that it's really important to、yeah. give back to the community and also、yeah. help each other out and, and navigate that. So, yeah, well, could you, could you? Yeah, and that kind of touches on your point, Natasha, about the the stereotypical shyness that comes with an Asian culture. I think it's, I mean, I think I want to find that balance between like this is who you are and own it, and and that's okay to be、uh, soft spoken. But I think you know my desire is really to encourage the Asian community、uh, us to find a voice that's unique to us. 
I'm really encouraged with more and more Asians stepping into political fields, you know, with Ken Sin running for mayor last year and, and the presidential hopeful Andrew Yang in the U.S. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's really great to see us stepping up in those fields. More uh, tech startups founded and led by Asian entrepreneurs. I think, I forgot his name, but the founder of Kanban that went to, uh, not Kanban, uh, Kabam, the gaming company, company. yeah, Yeah, from from the Silicon Valley. He is Asian and like just really cool to see those um, people elevated and finding their place in the world. So what I want to do, what I often encourage, especially my team members here, you know, not that I discriminate against like, you know, Asian and non-Asian, but I just encourage everyone to know what their values is, not know what their core values are, but also know what their value is to the society, to their work and self-promote as in like, if you've done a good job, like let people know you've done a good job. It's okay. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you don't let your superiors know you've done a good job, they won't know and they'll overlook you. So I'm encouraging my team members to to, yeah, to self-promote, especially if you've truly done a good job, like don't be afraid to say so. Mm-hmm. That's, um, no, it's so important, especially, um, you know, early on in, in one's career to have someone to look up to as a mentor or a guide or just someone to just kick, kick their butt and just say like, yeah, why don't you just speak up? You know, you did this great thing, you know, and just mm-hmm. helping champion them um, throughout their career. Yeah. Who are some people that have helped you throughout your career? I mentioned Ken Sim, huge mentor. You know, he is founder of uh, Nurse Next Door, which, you know, I, I sat out with him and I said, look, Ken, I want to get some advice because you turned nursing into this exciting brand. You know, there's really boring industry into this really exciting business. I want to d- learn how to do that for bookkeeping, right? And his advice is focus on culture, focus on people, focus on core values, focus on building those things and, and the rest will come. Uh, so I think impersonal mentors are huge, uh, but also like virtual mentors. You know, I read a ton and reading leadership books, reading, you know, Richard Branson's biography really encouraged me to be more bold. Like he is a you know, quintessential entrepreneur, like broke the rules and challenged every single thought. And none of that was really as a result of his race, you know, maybe, maybe his upbringing, you know, encouraged him to be more bold, but it's just who he is. And so like, why can't I challenge the same rules? Why can't I ask the same questions? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's mic drop, right? Mic drop right there. Yeah. So in terms of mentorship, you know, find the impersonal mentors, but also virtual mentors, just because they're not in your life doesn't mean they can't be impactful reading books. Right. Mm -hmm. Another, another tip of mentorship, I think, uh, you know, in the beginning, I wanted like formal mentors, but the thing is like people find it very exhausting to be your formal, formal mentor. And they will typically say no to a formal mentorship. But what you can do is just grab coffee with someone like, hey, can I buy you coffee and ask a couple questions? They don't know it, but that's mentorship right there. Oh yeah, right? micro mentorship. Micro mentorship, just, informal yeah. mentorship. Uh, call them up once in a while, buy them breakfast, ask, ask questions and that, that's what mentorship is. You don't need a formal agreement or anything like that, right? <laughs> yeah. So don't let that dissuade you from, from writing, uh, getting the right help. I think a lot of you know, Asians or maybe myself growing up, I was afraid to ask for mentors because I, I felt like it was such a huge burden on whoever I was you know, seeking help from. But really, you know, it's a mutual exchange. I buy you coffee or buy you lunch and you share your life experiences and that's all that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And do you get often asked to, for these coffee and lunch meetings? Yeah, yeah. oftentimes LinkedIn, you know, uh, tell me your story, how did you start and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, let's go grab coffee. 
Yes, excellent. So a couple final questions here. Um, of course, uh, you know, just kind of inherent to the to the name that you you know named your your firm Legacy Advantage. Curious to know what you think your legacy will be. Mm. Oh man, <laughs> one word it would just be impact. Um, my life mission statement is to be a godly man who loved his family and help others achieve success. And whatever that might be, whatever that might look like. I want to do to the ex largest extent possible. One of the reasons why I chose to sell Legacy Advantage and join Deloitte is because I felt like I can make a bigger impact here than if I were on my own. I probably make more money on my own, but for me, impact, the ability to make an impact, the ability to add value to others trumps the, the dollars that I can get in the short term. My legacy is I want other people to say, look, Bob really encouraged me to unleashed on my potential. Like I, I lived up to my potential because of what he said, what he has done, or what he had written, or, or something like that. So that's what I want my legacies to be. There you go, and you're well on your way to doing that. Um, so the name of this podcast is Pearls of Wisdom. So I feel like you've given us a lot of golden nuggets of information already. <laughs> I, I give you a pearl necklace of so uh, much well, wisdom. Well, well, yeah, we're, we're right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you had perhaps like kind of one pearl of wisdom to kind of sum up uh, the experience that you've you know gained as an entrepreneur, what would that be? Mm -hmm. The more you focus on others, the less you are able to focus on yourself. Several ways to unpack that. First of all, the way you make an impact in this world, the way you succeed in this world, is by impacting others, adding value to others, right? We, you know, we can just leave it at that. And the also like the self-consciousness, like you are shy because you're focusing on yourself. You're shy because what you, you're afraid of what others think of you. But if you're so passionate about thinking about how you can impact others, you don't have time to think about what others think of you. That, that's what I want to leave you with. There you go. The shiny pearl necklace is uh, <laughs> completed. I feel like everyone that's going to listen to this and watch you, watch you at your talk um, in the fall is just, they're going to walk away this the beautiful imaginary pearl necklace. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, I think uh, this, this has been great. A lot of fun. Thanks for giving me this platform, this opportunity to share. I love adding value to, to you, the community, and, and you. you know, let me know if, you, if I can help in any way. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, so connect with Excellent. me if you need. Please, yes, that would be awesome. Cecilia, anything else you want to add? Or That's it. Thank you so much for, for speaking with us today. Yeah, not at all. Excellent. Thank you.